This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, I want you to be honest with me here, all right? You're not going to hurt my feelings, I promise. If I started <laughs> on 125-yard line and full sprinted towards the other 31, do you think I'd get there in 13 seconds? Um, yeah, you may, but I don't know that there would be a whole lot of that 13 seconds left by the time you got there. Well, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I would be passed out at about the 50 if I was going at a full sprint. (laughs) Haven't worked out in a long time, but is that the most amazing thing you've seen? I don't want to be hyperbolic, but like 13 seconds on your own 25 to get into field goal range is something incredible, right? Like, well, it doesn't happen without help. Uh, from the opponent. Yes. And by help, I mean messing up. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, uh, that there were just so many, um, along that sequence that I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Can't, um, I, I couldn't agree you know, more. And you know, you know how the saying goes, right? Uh, you always have a chance. You always have a chance. The other team has goals too. Well, let's get right into this week's batch of questions here on Asked and Answered. The first one comes from Michael Reynolds from Monroe, Louisiana. Would you be able to shed some light on whether Jimmy Garoppolo might be an option for the Steelers in 2022, knowing that the 49ers drafted Trey Lance third overall in the 2021 NFL draft? So I see we're starting right off with some uh, Steelers fans doing some dumpster diving uh, through other teams' rosters. Okay. Um, let's start with Jimmy G. I don't get it. I don't get the infatuation with this guy. I mean, watching, you know, you, you brought up to start this podcast, you brought up the, um, chiefs, how they moved uh, in the, uh, one of the AFC divisional round games, how they moved quickly to a, a tying field goal to send that game into overtime. Well, uh, in an NFC, um, divisional round game, um, according to most of the quote-unquote experts and analysts, <laughs> um, the 49ers won that game in spite of Jimmy G. So, okay, we'll start with that. Uh, just to lay out some of the facts here. Uh, Garoppolo will be 31 years old on November the 2nd, and he's under contract through the 2022 season with the 49ers. He's due to be paid $25.5 million under the terms of that contract for that one season. So, and then after that, he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, I don't think the 49ers are going to cut him, and so they expect compensation in any trade, and I'm not thinking they're going to be willing to settle for a third-day draft pick. Okay, so according to the NFL's final quarterback rankings for the 2021 regular season, Garoppolo finished ninth in passer rating, sixth in completion percentage, second in average game per attempt, 13th in touchdown percentage, and 23rd in interception percentage. Now, I'm going to try and translate some of those stats for you. Garoppolo completes a high percentage of his attempts. He's not a dink and dunk guy. He does go down the field. He's a little bit better than middle of the pack when it comes to touchdown passes per attempt, but he's more than a little bit below the middle of the pack when it comes to turning the ball over via interceptions. And here's a question I would be asking myself about, um, you know, any uh, 
initiative to acquire uh, uh, Jimmy G. Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, is known is has a reputation for being a top offensive mind in the NFL. He spent the third overall pick in the last draft on a quarterback who played 19 games at the FCS level. That's Trey Lance. He already had Garoppolo on the roster and under contract for a couple of years. Why is he interested in, in making that move? What does he see from Garoppolo every day that makes him want to go to a guy from the FCS level who played one game mm -hmm. before they drafted him the season before they drafted him third overall. So the reason is what I think it's because that Kyle Shanahan expected Trey Lance to start and be better what he already had on the roster. So um, again, this to me is dumpster diving. <laughs> and look, if the Niners and Jimmy G wins two more football games, there ain't no way they're going to be moving on from him then, at least this offseason, that's for sure. Eric Smith from Woodbridge, Connecticut. Do you think it would be a good idea to try to trade for Deshaun Watson? <laughs> All things considered, as long as it wouldn't cost us more than Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph, preferably Haskins, and number one and number two picks, I think... Yes, I know it doesn't mean Houston or Pittsburgh would agree with me. It would be a good and fair trade for both teams. Um, a good idea. Um, let me let me go into some details about this as well, this situation. Uh, according to a story uh, in SI.com in late October, the Texans still want at least three first-round picks and a package of premium selections and or high-quality players in any trade for Watson, who also has a no-trade clause in his contract, which means he would have to waive that right. or approve any team that, that would be willing to give up such a boatload in, in return for him, who, who is a player, by the way, uh, according to the New York Times, is the subject of 22 civil lawsuits filed in March and April that accuse him of coercive and lewd sexual behavior. Yeah. Okay. So you want to, you're asking me if it's a good idea to give up all those picks and players for a guy who is alleged, according to the lawsuits, civil suits, a sexual predator. Um, and you're asking me if you think that's a good idea. And if you're not convinced yet of how bad an idea that would be. Let me add this. Watson is due in base salary alone, and because you're trading for him, you assume his contract. So you're assuming this contract. In base salary alone, Watson is due $119 million over the next four years. Ooh. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't think you want to blow all the cap you're about to get on just one guy with that kind of a sketchy background. Yes. Exactly. Uh, stop me if you heard this one before, Labs, but this next question has to do with a quarterback. Roy Miller. Really? Yeah, I'm shocked. Roy Miller from Tulsa, Oklahoma asks, what is your opinion of Derek Carr becoming our starting quarterback for next season? Oh, uh, here we go. Derek Carr okay. time now. Uh, Derek Carr time. I, I hope you're, you're taping all this, right? So we can just, like, <laughs> plug these in over the next four months yeah, or right, so. right, exactly. Okay. Um, the, my opinion uh, of Derek Carr. Um, okay, let's keep it in the real world because, you know, that's where, you know, these things actually are going to have to happen. Uh, 
car is under contract to Las Vegas through the 2022 season, and so you're going to have to deal with the Raiders. They're going to want some, okay? Um, and then Carr, again, it's only a one-year situation, so then af after the 2022 season, you're going to have to um, uh, sign him to an extension. And since he's going to earn nearly $20 million on the final year of his existing contract, uh, I don't think an extension is going to be cheap uh, or simple to negotiate. But, hey, you know, maybe in, in the world of uh, Roy Miller's imagination, <laughs> uh, the Raiders are willing to trade Carr for a third-round draft pick and Carr is eager, eager to sign a cap-friendly extension that would still allow the Steelers to do some other things in free agency uh, to strengthen uh, any other areas of their roster. Um, but just remember this, too. In the package you're giving up uh, for Derek Carr, uh, the Steelers have no picks in the fourth or fifth rounds already in this upcoming draft. Now, the compensatory picks haven't been determined yet, so maybe you know that changes somewhat. But you're giving up probably premium picks in a draft that you don't have that many in the first place. You know, the Raiders are looking for a good quarterback play, too. It's not a guarantee that they're going to move on from a guy that just helped get them to the playoffs, get to a 10-7 and 7 record, and a year full of turmoil. I mean, he's a pretty valuable commodity to that organization as well. It's not like they're just going to be eager to get oh, rid so of So what you're guy. telling me is they won't, they won't trade him to the Steelers for a seventh-round pick? I don't think so. I, I, they might oh. think about it and have to sleep on it, but I think they would end up saying no. <laughs> Brian Wolf from Old Hickory, Tennessee. Could the Steelers possibly afford Aaron Rodgers if the Packers moved on from him after the season and he was willing to come to them? And secondly, would Gardner Minshew be a possibility to come in and provide competition for Haskins and Rudolph? We're really going up and down the uh, the dumpsters getting deeper. <laughs> We're going deeper in um, the dumpster now. Okay, first of all, Aaron the Aaron Rodgers thing is not happening. Right, it's just not. Um, I don't, maybe he retires, um, you know, who knows? Maybe he uh, joins QAnon, who who knows? <laughs> who who knows what this guy is going to do? Um, but uh, so let's deal with Gardner Minshew first. Uh, he's under, he an, is another guy under contract to a team. Uh, his team is the Eagles uh, through the 2022 season. Steelers fans seem to ignore that factor a lot, the yeah, under well, contract part. <laughs> um Minshew is Jalen Hurts' backup, um, and from what I'm understanding about the Eagles, they're pretty uh, at least set on Jalen Hurts as their starter for next season. Uh, they're going to need a backup. They have one. Uh, I don't think they're just going to give this guy away for a song. Um, you know. So, again, you're talking about having to send some of your limited draft capital to the Eagles for a guy – that you're saying is only being brought into for competition. Um, nah, I, I, don't, I don't like, I don't like that idea either. Do people forget Gardner Minshew started the last game of the year for the Eagles against the Cowboys and got absolutely obliterated? I mean, this fascination with him because he had like a good game once or twice in his career. is just, it's absurd to me. I don't understand why some guys like him just get this like, persona about them that they're better than they actually are but he he has it for whatever reason well and it works both ways too i mean it works in the opposite way too i think that um you know there are quarterbacks who knows maybe even one of them who's currently on the steelers roster who um maybe was bad in a game or 
held on to the ball too long uh, in a couple of instances when he got an opportunity to play when Ben Roethlisberger had elbow surgery, mm-hmm. uh, and that now follows him forever. So, um, hey, you know, as I said, get all of this on tape. We'll just start plugging these in so we don't have to dumpster lot, dive every yeah, week. A lot of easy episodes coming up for us. Joshua Campbell from Cincinnati, Ohio. A lot of people have asked you about the next quarterback for the Steelers. No way. I have seen your opinion on who it shouldn't be, and I agree with you, mostly. However, no one has asked you who you think the Steelers' next quarterback will be. I don't get it. Uh, what, what I don't get about this issue is the need that fans feel to have that answer now. <laughs> In January. They need to know now. <laughs> you know, it's late January. The off-season program that can't even start for three months. And yeah, new league year agency. hasn't even ended yet, right? Like... Right. Free agency doesn't start for two months. Right. Um, I don't know who the Steelers' next quarterback will be. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people out there telling you that they do, but let me tell you, they don't. Patrick Charles from Gillette, Wyoming. Oh, I thought that said West Virginia at first. Now that the defense has given up 40-plus points in three straight playoff games, do you think it's time to change the scheme from a 3-4 back to a 4-3? Cam Hayward and Steph Tewitt at the end? Alu Alu and Chris Wormley at defensive tackle. Watt and Highsmith are your outside linebackers. And Joe Schobert as the middle linebacker. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin had success with the Tampa 2, and so did the 70s Steelers teams. The 1976 Steelers posted six shutouts, right? Um, Not to let facts get in the way of a good story, um, five shutouts in 1976. But that's still. But, you know, just because. You um, assign, you type players' names and assign them positions in a different scheme. It doesn't mean they're suited to those positions. Now let's just start with T.J. Watt as an example. Multiple-time first-team All-Pro, probably the defensive player of the year this year, definitely the co-holder of the NFL single-season sack record. He's a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's an edge rusher. And just because you type him down uh, and assign him the position of outside linebacker in a 4-3 doesn't mean he could play the position in the manner approaching the level at which he plays his current position. And so you're taking maybe your best defensive player and you're moving him to a position um, that he's never played before and may not be able to play. Um, I think there's also in this some some uh, significant assumptions regarding Stephon Tewitt and Joe Schobert. Uh, and that's just naming two more players. Tuitt's um, assumption is that, you know, he's going to be back next year. And Joe Schobert, I mean, here's another guy. He's undersized to play middle linebacker. And I understand Jack Lambert was undersized when he played middle linebacker, but I don't know that anyone's confusing Joe Schobert with Jack <laughs> Lambert. So, you know, Patrick, you're talking about the success of the Steelers' defense of the 70s. And you're kind of assigning that success to the 4-3 alignment. Uh, What I would say is that the success of that defense (laughs) had more to do with Joe Green, Jack, Cam Lambert, and Mel Blunt all being uh, first ballot Hall of Famers and a fifth guy who would eventually make the Hall of Fame named Donnie Schell waiting in the wings to become a starter uh, on that defensive unit too. So um, I'm not going to argue with you that the Steelers need to improve their defense um, but the way it happens is you add more good players, not changing a base alignment 
and hoping what worked 50 years ago now works again today. <laughs> I don't know, Labs. I think that 4-3 has a lot more credit to do with what happened in the 70s than you're giving it. Yeah, probably. It probably <laughs> had nothing to do with those players. No, nothing at yeah. all. Those are just guys you plug and play, you know? You could have put anybody in those spots and gotten the same results. <laughs> Me and you. Right on, exactly. Howie Pfeiffer from Gilbert, Arizona. What is the estimated salary cap for next year? And, in your opinion, who do you see being salary cap losses? Okay, um, salary cap, um, I believe, last or the, for the 2021 season was like $182.5 million per team. Uh, estimates are that in 2022 – it's going to come in around two hundred and eight point two million. So that's a that's nice jump. Yeah. Um, now I think that uh, there, it's you know there's always a possibility during uh, free agency that the Steelers may lose some unrestricted guys, either to bigger contract offers from other teams, or you know the team making a decision to move on from that player for competitive reasons. But I don't anticipate this year the Steelers having to cut players simply to get into compliance with the salary cap. Tom Henson from Martinsville, Indiana. How do you think Wink Martindale would fit in as defensive coordinator for the Steelers? And what would you guess is the interest level the Steelers would have in him and vice versa? Okay, can, let's start out with what I know or what I don't know. What I know I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea whether the Steelers have any interest in uh, Wink Don Martindale, which is his real name. Uh, the former Ravens court defensive coordinator who was fired by John Harbaugh at the end of this season. Um, I do know the Steelers have interviewed a bunch of guys for that position and Martindale has not been one of them. So I would assume that at this point uh, the interest is low or none and whether he has any interest in the Steelers, you know, I don't know that either. Um, my experience is people with no jobs are usually inter interested in anybody <laughs> who's willing to offer them. them yes. <laughs> okay. But this is, now this is something that I find a little curious about this particular infatuation. And Tom Henson is not the only one who seems to have it. Um, okay. Over the past two years and asked and answered, I have literally gotten hundreds of submissions complaining about the Steelers' offense, ripping the coordinators, Randy Fickner and Matt Canada. And in those submissions, I've been told many times that both of those guys should be fired immediately, charged with gross professional incompetence, run out of town on a rail, the whole thing. Okay, Over that same time frame, those, those same two years that I was getting all that, I don't call it hate mail, but you, you get my point. Right. Over that same time frame, the Steelers are 4-0 against the Ravens and the defense is Don Martindale coordinated. They're 2-0 against Martindale, Martindale's defenses with Feekner, 2-0 against Martindale defenses with Canada. So you see where I'm having a little trouble understanding what seems to be a little bit of a contradiction here in you know, what, what we like versus what we hate and how they don't seem to go together. And then let me just throw this out, too. You think maybe John Harbaugh looked at the, those Steelers' offenses and then looked at how his defense performed in those games and said, I think I need to change coordinators. I think that might have happened. How dare you use people's arguments against their other arguments? That's unfair play from you, Labs. I can't believe you just okay. pulled that move. I won't, I won't do that anymore. Seriously, don't expose them. Colin Robinson from Suffolk, Virginia, has our final question of the day. 
and it is regarding the best available player strategy to drafting. If you're making the Steelers' first-round selection and a player at every position is available with the same grades and potential, what's the position that you go for? Um, Okay. Let me give you a little insight into how the Steelers prepare for the draft. The scenario, Cohen, that you just described never happens because (laughs) – no, it doesn't. A I mean, lot of they, people are living they, in fantasy world, this, this asked and answered session. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just give Cohen the benefit of the doubt here because this isn't something that you could just use the Google machine <laughs> and find <laughs> out, okay? Um, back in 1989, what happened to the Steelers, they had the, I believe it was the seventh overall pick in the first round. And two guys they really liked were Tim Worley, a running back from Georgia, and Andre Risen, a receiver from Michigan State. Now, they liked them both. They had them graded highly and quite possibly with the same grade. So when their turn to pick came up, both of the guys were available. So now what do you do? Okay, because of that situation, well, the Steelers picked Tim Worley, by the way, just to finish that story. (laughs) But because of that situation, what they did then in every subsequent draft prep, and they still do to this day, is even if guys somehow end up with the same grade through the uh, information gathering process and the grading process, they still rank them on the board. So two guys might have a, you know, a 1.12 grade, um, which means a high first-round pick, but they still put them in order, which one they like better. So um, to say that uh, a bunch, all these positions are players that have the same grade and the team sees them with the same potential, that's actually, that doesn't happen because they make those uh, decisions and whether they're right or wrong, you know, time tells. But all of that is argued out before draft day. So that when, and maybe, who knows, maybe they rank them two guys with the same grade Let's just pretend for the purposes of this conversation uh, in the upcoming draft, one's a tight end and one's a defensive lineman. Well, maybe they rank the defensive lineman over the tight end because they look at their own roster and say, we need a defensive lineman more than we need a tight end. So for whatever reason, there are never two guys tied totally, you know, uh, from soup to nuts on the draft board. They, there is something that separates them, uh, and they rank them. So just to answer your question is it, it it's still uh, kind of the best player available strategy uh, because they, they determine uh, a, a specific and definitive listing of or ranking of these guys, even if the, uh, the determining factor is need. Well, that's all she wrote for this edition of Asked and Answered. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Offerman. Enjoy conference championship games this weekend, and we will talk to you next week on a new edition of Asked and Answered.